Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. brought to you by Public Houses. Tonight, we'll read another excerpt from The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham, published in 1908. This story centers around four small animals, mole, rat, toad, and badger. Their stories take place in the countryside of Edwardian England. To listen to this series easily in order, go to snoozecast.com slash series. In the last episode, Toad is a washerwoman on the run, boldly stealing his way across the countryside. Now, the strong arm of the law almost catches him when he lands in a river and is saved by his old friend, Ratty. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Like summer tempests came his tears. The rat put out a neat little brown paw, gripped Toad firmly by the scruff of the neck, and gave a great hoist and a pull, and the waterlogged Toad came up slowly but surely over the edge of the hole, till at last he stood safe and sound in the hall, streaked with mud and weed to be sure, 
and with the water streaming off him, but happy and high-spirited as of old, now that he found himself once more in the house of a friend, and dodgings and evasions were over, and he could lay aside a disguise that was unworthy of his position and wanted such a lot of living up to. Oh, Ratty, he cried. I've been through such times since I saw you last, you can't think. Such trials, such sufferings, and all so nobly born. Then such escapes, such disguises, such subterfuges, and all so cleverly planned and carried out. Been in prison, got out of it, of course. Been thrown into a canal, swam ashore, stole a horse, sold him for a large sum of money, humbugged everybody, made them all do exactly what I wanted. Oh, I am a smart toad, and make no mistake. What do you think my last exploit was? Just hold on till I tell you. Toad, said the water rat, gravely and firmly, you go off upstairs at once and take off that old cotton rag that looks as if it might formerly have belonged to some washerwoman and clean yourself thoroughly and put on some of my clothes and try and come down looking like a gentleman if you can for a more shabby, bedraggled, disreputable-looking object in you I never set eyes on in my whole life. Now, stop swaggering and arguing, and be off. I'll have something to say to you later. Toad was at first inclined to stop and do some talking back at him. He had had enough of being ordered about when he was in prison, and here was the thing being all over again done, apparently, and by a rat, too. However, he caught sight of himself in the looking-glass over the hat-stand, with the rusty black bonnet perched rakishly over one eye, and he changed his mind and went very quickly and humbly upstairs to the rat's dressing-room. There he had a thorough wash and brush-up, changed his clothes, and stood for a long time before the glass, contemplating himself with pride and pleasure, and thinking what utter idiots all the people must have been to have ever mistaken him for one moment for a washerwoman. By the time he came down again, Luncheon was on the table, and very glad Toad was to see it, for he had been through some trying experiences, and had taken much hard exercise since the excellent breakfast provided for him by the gypsy. While they ate, Toad told the rat all his adventures, dwelling chiefly on his own cleverness and presence of mind in emergencies, and cunning in tight places, and rather making out 
that he had been having a gay and highly colored experience. But the more he talked and boasted, the more grave and silent the rat became. When at last Toad had talked himself to a standstill, there was silence for a while. And then the rat said, Now, Toady, I don't want to give you pain after all you've been through already, but seriously, don't you see what an awful ass you've been making of yourself? On your own admission, you have been handcuffed, imprisoned, starved, chased, terrified out of your life, insulted, jeered at, and ignominiously flung into the water by a woman, too. Where's the amusement in that? Where does the fun come in? And all because you must needs go and steal a motor car. You know that you've never had anything but trouble from motor cars from the moment you first set eyes on one. But if you will be mixed up with them, as you generally are, five minutes after you've started, why steal them? If you think it's exciting, be a bankrupt for a change. If you've set your mind on it, but why choose to be a convict? When are you going to be sensible and think of your friends and try and be a credit to them? Do you suppose it's any pleasure to me, for instance, to hear animals saying as I go about that I'm the chap that keeps company with jailbirds? Now, it was a very comforting point in Toad's character that he was a thoroughly good-hearted animal and never minded being jawed by those who were his real friends. And even when most set upon a thing, he was always able to see the other side of the question. So although, while the rat was talking so seriously, he kept saying to himself mutinously, But it was fun, though, awful fun and making strange suppressed noises inside of him, like kick, 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 and poop, 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 and other sounds resembling stifled snorts, or the opening of soda water bottles. Yet when the rat had quite finished, he heaved a deep sigh and said, very nicely and humbly, Quite right, ratty. How sound you always are. Yes, I've been a conceited old ass. I can quite see that. But now I'm going to be a good toad and not do it anymore. As for motor cars, I've not been at all so keen about them since my last ducking in that river of yours. The fact is, while I was hanging to the edge of your hole and getting my breath, I had a sudden idea, a really brilliant idea, connected with motorboats. There, there, don't take on so, old chap, and stamp and upset things. It was only an idea, and we won't talk any more about it. We'll have our coffee, and a smoke, and a quiet chat, 
and then I'm going to stroll quietly down to Toad Hall and get into clothes of my own and set things going again on the old lines. I've had enough of adventures. I shall lead a quiet, steady, respectable life, pottering about my property and improving it and doing a little landscape gardening at times. There will always be a bit of dinner for my friends when they come to see me, and I shall keep a pony chaise to jog about the country in, just as I used to go in the old days before I got restless and wanted to do things. Stroll quietly down to Toad Hall, cried the rat, greatly excited. What are you talking about? What do you mean? said Toad, turning rather pale. Then the Toad saw at once how wrongly and foolishly he had acted. He then admitted his errors and wrongheadedness and made an apology to Rat again. And he wound up by saying, with that frank self-surrender, which always disarmed his friend's criticism and won them back to his side. Ratty, I see that I have been a headstrong and a willful toad. Henceforth, believe me, I will be humble and submissive and will take no action without your kind advice and full approval. If that is really so, said the good-natured rat, already appeased, then my advice to you is, considering the likeness of the hour, to sit down and have your supper, which will be on the table in a minute, and be very patient, for I am convinced that we can do nothing about Toad Hall until we have seen the mole and the badger, and heard their latest news, and held conference and taken their advice in this difficult matter. Oh, ah, yes, of course, the mole and the badger, said Toad lightly. What's become of them, the dear fellows? I had forgotten all about them. Well, you may ask, said the rat reproachfully, while you were riding about the country in expensive motor cars, and galloping proudly on blood horses, and breakfasting on the fat of the land, those two poor, devoted animals have been camping out in the open, in every sort of weather, living very rough by day, and lying very hard by night, watching over your house, patrolling your boundaries, scheming and planning and contriving how to get your property back to you. You don't deserve to have such true and loyal friends, Toad. You don't, really. Some day, when it's too late, you'll be sorry you didn't value them more while you had them. I'm an ungrateful beast, I know, sobbed Toad, shedding bitter tears. Let me go out and find them, out into the cold, dark night, and share their hardships and try and prove by... Hold a bit. Surely I heard the chink of dishes on a tray. Supper's here at last. Hooray! Come on, Ratty. 
The rat remembered that poor Toad had been on prison fare for a considerable time, and that large allowances had therefore to be made. He followed him to the table accordingly, and and hospital, and hospitably encouraged him in his gallant efforts to make up for past privations. They had just finished their meal and resumed their armchairs when there came a heavy knock at the door. Toad was nervous, but the rat, nodding mysteriously at him, went straight up to the door and opened it, and in walked Mr. Badger. He had all the appearance of one who for some nights had been kept away from home and all its little comforts and conveniences. His shoes were covered with mud, and he was looking very rough and tousled. But then he had never been a very smart man, the badger, at the best of times. He came solemnly up to Toad, shook him by the paw and said, Welcome home, Toad. Alas, what am I saying? Home indeed. This is a poor homecoming. Unhappy Toad. Then he turned his back on him, sat down to the table, drew his chair up, and helped himself to a large slice of cold pie. Toad was quite alarmed at this very serious style of greeting, but the rat whispered to him, Never mind, don't take any offense, and don't say anything to him just yet. He's always rather low and despondent when he's wanting his victuals. In half an hour's time, he'll be quite a different animal. So, they waited in silence. And presently, there came another and a lighter knock. The rat, with a nod to Toad, went to the door and ushered in the mole very shabby and unwashed, with bits of hay and straw sticking in his fur. Hooray! Here's old Toad, cried the mole, his face beaming. Fancy having you back again. And he began to dance round him. We never dreamt you would turn up so soon. Why, you must have managed to escape. You clever, ingenious, intelligent toad. The rat, alarmed, pulled him by the elbow, but it was too late. Toad was puffing and swelling already. Clever? Oh, no, he said. I'm not really clever, according to my friends. I've only broken out of the strongest prison in England, that's all and captured a railway train and escaped on it, that's all, and disguised myself and gone about the country, humbugging everybody, that's all. Oh no, I'm a stupid ass, I am. I'll tell you one or two of my little adventures, Mole, and you shall judge for yourself. Well, well, 
said the mole, moving towards the supper table. Supposing you talk while I eat. Not a bite since breakfast. Oh my, oh my. And he sat down and helped himself liberally to cold beef and pickles. Toad straddled on the hearth rug, thrust his paw into his trouser pocket, and pulled out a handful of silver. Look at that, he cried, displaying it. That's not so bad, is it, for a few minutes' work? And how do you think I'd done it, Mole? Horse-stealing, that's how I'd done it. Go on, Toad, said the Mole, immensely interested. It's a very difficult situation, said the Rat, reflecting deeply. By the time they were all three talking at once, at the top of their voices, the noise was simply deafening when a thin, dry voice made itself heard, saying, Be quiet at once, all of you. And instantly, everyone was silent. It was the badger who, having finished his pie, had turned round in his chair and was looking at them severely. He got up and stood before the fireplace, reflecting deeply. At last, he spoke. Toad, he said severely, you bad, troublesome little animal, Aren't you ashamed of yourself? What do you think your father, my old friend, would have said if he had been here tonight and had known of all your goings-on? Toad, who was on the sofa by this time, with his legs up, rolled over on his face, shaken by sobs of contrition. There, there went on the badger more kindly. Never mind. Stop crying. We're going to let bygones be bygones and try and turn over a new leaf. But what the mole says is true. He says that the stoats are on guard at every point of Toad Hall and they make the best sentinels in the world. It's quite useless to think of attacking the place They're too strong for us. Then what'll we do? Sobbed the toad, crying into the sofa cushions. I shall go and enlist for a soldier and never see my dear toad hall anymore. Come, cheer up, toady, said the badger. Even if your home has probably been taken over by now by ferrets and stoats from the wildwood, There are more ways of getting back a place than taking it by storm. I haven't said my idea yet. Now I'm going to tell you a great secret. Toad sat up slowly and dried his eyes. Secrets had an immense attraction for him because he never could keep one. 
and he enjoyed the sort of unhallowed thrill he experienced when he went and told another animal, after having faithfully promised not to. There is an underground passage, said the badger impressively, that leads from the riverbank, quite near here, right up into the middle of Toad Hall. Well, well, said the toad, perhaps I am a bit of a talker. A popular fellow such as I, my friends get round me, we sparkle, we tell witty stories, and somehow my tongue does get wagging. I have the gift of conversation, you know. I've been told I ought to have a salon, whatever that may be. Never mind, but do go on, Badger. How's this passage of yours going to help us? I've found out a thing or two lately, continued the Badger. I got Otter to disguise himself as a sweep and call at the back door with brushes over his shoulder, asking for a job. There's going to be a big banquet tomorrow night. It's somebody's birthday. The chief weasels, I believe. And all the weasels will be gathered together in the dining hall, eating and drinking and laughing and carrying on, suspecting nothing. No guns, no swords, no sticks, no arms of any sort, whatever. Our plan is settled and there's nothing more for you all to argue and squabble about. So, as it's getting very late, all of you go right off to bed at once. We will make all the necessary arrangements in the course of the morning tomorrow. Toad, of course, went off to bed dutifully with the rest. He knew better than to refuse though he was feeling much too excited to sleep. But he had had a long day, with many events crowded into it, and sheets and blankets were very friendly and comforting things, after plain straw, and not too much of it, spread on the stone floor of a drafty cell. And his head had not been many seconds on his pillow, before he was snoring happily. Naturally, he dreamt a good deal about roads that ran away from him just when he wanted them, and canals that chased him and caught him, and a barge that sailed into the banqueting hall with his week's washing, just as he was giving a dinner party and he was alone in the secret passage, pushing onwards, but it twisted and turned round and shook itself and sat up on its end. Yet somehow, at the last, he found himself back in Toad Hall, safe and triumphant, with all his friends gathered round about him, earnestly assuring him that he really was a clever toad. He slept till a late hour next morning, and by the time he got down, 
he found that the other animals had finished their breakfast some time before. The mole had slipped off somewhere by himself without telling anyone where he was going. The badger sat in the armchair, reading the paper, and not concerning himself in the slightest about what was going to happen that very evening. The rat, on the other hand, was running round the room busily, with his arms full of weapons of every kind, distributing them in four little heaps on the floor, and saying excitedly under his breath as he ran, Here's a sword for the rat, here's a sword for the mole, here's a sword for the toad, here's a sword for the badger, etc., etc., in a regular, rhythmical way, while the four little heaps gradually grew and grew. That's all very well, rat, said the badger presently, looking at the busy little animal over the edge of his newspaper. I'm not blaming you. We four, with our sticks, once we're inside the dining hall, why, we shall clear the floor of all the lot of them in five minutes. I'd have done the whole thing by myself, only I didn't want to deprive you fellows of the fun. Presently, the mole came tumbling into the room, evidently very pleased with himself. I've been having such fun, he began at once. I've been getting a rise out of the stoats. I hope you've been very careful, mole, said the rat, anxiously. I should hope so, too, said the mole confidently. I got the idea when I went into the kitchen to see about Toad's breakfast being kept hot for him. I found that old washerwoman dress that he came home in yesterday, hanging on a towel horse before the fire. So I put it on, and the bonnet as well, and the shawl, and off I went to Toad Hall, as bold as you please. The sentries were on the lookout, of course, with their guns and their who comes there, and all the rest of their nonsense. Good morning, gentlemen, says I, very respectful. Want any washing done today? They looked at me very proud and stiff and haughty, and said, Go away, washerwoman, we don't want any washing today. Or any other time, says I. Ha, 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 wasn't I funny, Toad? Poor frivolous animal, said Toad very loftily. The fact is, he felt exceedingly jealous of Mole for what he had just done. It was exactly what he would have liked to have done himself, if only he had thought of it first and hadn't gone and overslept himself. Some of the stoats turned quite pink, continued the Mole. And the sergeant in charge, he said to me, very short, he said, Now run away, my good woman, run away. Don't keep my men idling and talking on their posts. Run away, says I. 
it won't be me that'll be running away in a very short time from now. Oh, Molly, how could you? said the rat, dismayed. The badger laid down his paper. I could see them pricking up their ears and looking at each other, went on the mole, and the sergeant said to them, Never mind her, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, don't I? said I. Well, let me tell you this. My daughter, she washes for Mr. Badger, and that'll show you whether I know what I'm talking about. And you'll know very soon, too. A hundred bloodthirsty badgers, armed with rifles, are going to attack Toad Hall this very night by way of the paddock. Six boatloads of rats with pistols and cutlasses will come up the river and effect a landing in the garden, while a picked body of toads, known as the diehards or the death or glory toads, will storm the orchard and carry everything before them, yelling for vengeance. There won't be much left for you to wash by the time they've done with you, unless you clear out while you have the chance. Then I ran away, and when I went out of sight I hid, and presently I came creeping back along the ditch and took a peep at them through the hedge. They were all as nervous and flustered as could be, running all ways at once and falling over each other, and everyone giving orders to everybody else and not listening. Oh, you silly-ass mole, cried Toad. You've been and spoilt everything. Mole, said the badger, in his dry, quiet way. I perceive you have more sense in your little finger than some animals have in the whole of their fat bodies. You have managed excellently, and I begin to have great hopes of you. Good mole, clever mole. The toad was simply wild with jealousy now, more especially as he couldn't make out for the life of him what the mole had done that was so particularly clever. But, fortunately for him, before he could show temper or expose himself to the badger's sarcasm, the bell rang for luncheon. It was a simple but sustaining meal, bacon and broad beans and a macaroni pudding. And when they had quite done, the badger settled himself into an armchair and said, Well, we've got our work cut out for us tonight, and it will probably be pretty late before we're quite through with it, so I'm just going to take forty winks while I can. And he drew a handkerchief over his face and was soon snoring. The laborious rat at once resumed his preparations and started running between his four little heaps, muttering, Here's a belt for the rat. Here's a belt for the mole. Here's a belt for the toad. And here's a belt for the badger. And so on, 
with every fresh accoutrement he produced, to which there seemed really no end. So the mole drew his arm through toads, led him out into the open air, shoved him into a wicker chair, and made him tell him all his adventures from beginning to end, which Toad was only too willing to do. The Mole was a good listener, and Toad, with no one to check his statements or to criticize in an unfriendly spirit, rather let himself go. Indeed, much that he related belonged more properly to the category of what might have happened had I only thought of it in time instead of ten minutes afterwards. Those are always the best and the raciest adventures, and why should they not be truly ours? as much as the somewhat inadequate things that really come on.